This episode is brought to you by the Metasearch Institute. What happens when patients' cases become too complex to solve in a typical 30-minute visit? Well, you've all had those super thick, super deep patient histories nobody's looked at in a long time and gone back through. Well, I'll tell you what happens is those patients bounce around from doc to doc without getting any answers or making any progress. These patients are trapped and lost in a maze. Well, Metasearch is here for those doctors and for those patients. Their motto is, we solve the unsolvable. Their process is rather simple. Dr. Trent Talbot, the founder, assigns a team of medical detectives, typically three MDs and one PhD, to each case. They research the latest breakthroughs and clinical trials, and they elicit the opinions of 10 to 15 world-leading experts per case. They purposefully seek out experts who will come at each case from a different perspective, the Bainesian method. Altogether, they will put in over 250 MD hours for every case. That means 500 times the amount of brain power that a typical doctor can afford to offer. Nobody can do what Metasearch does. Call 832-968-6667. That's 832-968-6667 to be in touch. You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. What's worse, isolation or handing our national treasury to monopolies with a unanimous vote from Congress? $2 trillion was just voted on so you could get your PPP loan, which has dried up for many people, by the way. But the irony of this $2 trillion handout is that the hospitals now have a Marshall Plan. The actual Marshall Plan was less in today's dollars, and it turned non-democracies into democracies and open, transparent economies and literally saved the world. And I don't know if we're saving the world by propping up these monopolies. Yes, the volume is down 45 to 60%. We've gotten 129 news reports just in the last five days announcing layoffs and furloughs to accommodate the C-19. I get it, okay? They are de facto on monopolies, though, in every single market, and that's not my opinion. There's not a single highly competitive hospital market that remains in any region of the United States, according to the standard metric measured by the FTC. So we are bailing out some companies with offshore tax haven accounts with billions of dollars in Massachusetts. We have stadiums named after other hospitals, maybe in your city. Mine has it. They have private jets and skyboxes and country club memberships. 150 billion bailout. That's greater than the GDP of 115 countries, members of the United Nations. That's incredible. It's a second Marshall Plan for big insurers coming next. They too are at the trough begging for What is a textbook monopoly bailout? State by state, the big bukas are essentially in control. They price the power. And if you think about this, the bigs are now collecting premiums for the last six weeks and for the next six to eight weeks, yet their payouts are de minimis. Their claims are limited to a fraction of the previous hospital stays. We know that because hospitals are at half. The telehealth visits, the COVID visits, 
half the primary care. We know that's for real. And the meds are still at full force. But the big chunk of change that the insurance companies would write checks for in these six weeks and the next six weeks are hospital stays. They're not paying that out anymore, yet they're still collecting most of the premium. Certainly, there have been furloughs, but they're relieved basically of the burden and they have all of the benefit. They're going to be recording record profits. And here's what we're hearing. We're going to be looking at a 45% increase in the next renewal period that you have with your insurance company. So is bailing out monopolies our new national priority? Does it serve the patient? Does it serve the doctors and nurses and care teams? Does it serve the employers that pay for the whole machine? Does it pay for 90% of us voters who don't work for hospitals and insurance companies? I live in a future where we all win for a pleasant change. I live in the world of direct primary care with me and my employees, reference-based pricing, direct contracts with independent imaging and independent surgeons, transparent pharmacists, transparent specialists, and 120 different verticals, especially mental health and musculoskeletal. If you have a musculoskeletal intervention with a direct care, you're going to eliminate 80% of your scheduled ortho surgeries. Great direct contracting up front saves a lot of costs downstream. Walmart discovered it, as I've said in my rants before, Caterpillar, and millions of more employee benefits are benefiting from direct contracting that sidestep or nail down pricing from these non-transparent monopolies. And you can too. We must. I'm looking forward to talking today to Mark Leary. He's a professional EOS implementer and a former entrepreneur himself before he started this business. And today we're going to talk about a lot of interesting subjects. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ron. And I will argue that uh, uh, there's no such thing as a former entrepreneur. I think once you're in, uh, you, you're, you're the animal for life. It's a different kind of person. Yes. Well, I watched your training and you do speak from a different perspective than somebody who's the coach that never succeeded and became a coach. Well, you say that um, every every coach that succeeded definitely did fail. Uh, so it's there. there is the... My, my asset pool comes from uh, lessons learned for sure. And, uh, and that's sort of, I, I make, it makes the hard life and all those mistakes feel good to be able to convert those to uh, successes for other people down the line. Mark, I've discovered a new system for running a business remotely on Zoom called EOS. That's the Entrepreneur Operation System. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like from your perspective as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. So EOS is a system of tools to help you um, really run a better business. And it's about getting, um, helping you get what you want from your business by implementing a set of simple practical tools for all parts of the business that create three things, vision, traction, and health. And, and what I mean by that is we have to start with getting your leadership team on the same page about where you're going and how you're going to get there. Uh, you have to create uh, a space to have an accountable leadership team. We call that traction. And health is when we get this team to come together as this healthy, functional, uh, no politics, uh, highly open and honest uh, team that can really execute at a high level. And, and once we do that at the leadership team level, we've earned the right to and, and created the model to invite the rest of our company in. So we've got this clear vision of where you're going. We've got this accountability and discipline all throughout the culture and a healthy functional team end to end. And that is something that is was created uh, over 10 years ago for wartime and in peacetime alike. And now we find that, uh, you know, companies that were able to get by with bad habits in, a, in, a, in an in-person world, uh, 
it's the truth time. You have to have clarity. You have to have clear vision. You have to have all the things in place for accountability. And you have to do everything you can to re remove anything that's preventing health. Uh, and in a virtual world, uh, all those weaknesses are exposed. And so the, the utility of a tool set to get that to happen is just exponential right now. I love one of the toolkits, uh, tools in your toolkit called scorecards. I use them for, it's not um, going to go to the boss and get you in trouble. You're not going to get your raise or you're not going to get a promotion, but it allows us to scorecard every one of my medical techs on a 24 count system, six of which are soft skills, the rest are hard skills. Are they a zero? Does not meet expectations or a four. They have something to teach us way beyond expectations and everything in between. And so on these 24 score parts of our scorecard, we can literally coach them into getting back into the threes and fours when they're in the ones and twos for different areas. Because most people are good at something or great at most things, but they can use some coaching. So this is not, you know, you're not going to get your raise because you got a lot of threes today or twos today. A threes would be meet and exceeds expectations, but the two is does not meet expectations. The scorecard is a great, great subject because um, I talked to a team just yesterday and then they're like, we're, we're con we're concerned about having people work from home. We don't feel like, like we can do that and have them productive. That's a very common early stage entrepreneurial leadership fear. Uh, they're not going to work. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a leadership fear, not a reality necessarily. And the scorecard is a tool that goes right to the heart of that. And how that comes about is that every business, well, there's six key components in EOS. And one of those six key components is data. Every business needs data. And in any business today is usually not running short of it, right? So you know this, in the healthcare world, there's data, a lack of data is not the problem. What is a problem is actionable data. And so in the EOS system, we focus on five to 15 weekly metrics about of, of activities that are leading indicators that when we behave, follow these behaviors, we get the good results we want. And, and this is focused on the team in particular. So every single team would have its own scorecard that would focus on these five to 15 metrics that are the activities on a weekly basis that when you get to the end of the month, you get the results you expect. And that is one of the first tools we have to, to look at if we're going to expect predictable behavior from a team that we don't get to literally look over their shoulder anymore. So a scorecard gives me the data because I can see again, are they, I don't know, what's four times 24, 100, you know, roughly 100. Are they a 100 or are they 99 or an 88? And I wouldn't probably look at them if they're in the 80s. But if they're in the 70s or 60s, I would ask their supervisor, is everything okay? Is this somebody, you know, that can be turned around? Are they facing a personal crisis? What's going on here? So it's not my job to have a dotted line to that uh, employee that's on the front line of my company. But I do want to have insight into what's working and what's not working for coaching. And then we can do the same for the coaches too. So just love, love the scorecards. You can turn anything into data. The coaching is exactly right. So when we do the traditional trailing indicator approach, and I want to just kind of push that out to anybody who, this is normal, right? If you, if you have never sat down and asked yourself, are we looking at leading indicators, which are typically activities versus, versus goals, uh, then you probably are looking at trailing indicators and you're probably looking at revenue and, and dollars and 
end results. And you need to know that. But if you're looking at the results, it's too late. You can't fix it. And so if you're going to coach, you have to look at these leading indicators, which are sometimes harder to tease out because we don't always know what the behaviors are that yield the good results. So we got to experiment and get a scorecard we love that looks at those activities that if we see, hey, um, you're not doing, you're not doing as much of the things that I expect you to be doing. And let's talk about it now. It's not a problem yet. But if you don't get your activity level up, or in some cases, your activity level down in negative activities, we're going to see a problem down the line. And you can have the conversation early and get people on track and then you get a lot more success. I, I don't know that there's a way to measure this. Um, I would imagine that everybody that has somebody like you for coach that's using an entrepreneurial um, operating system like EOS is, is going to have a much higher pivot to move into a new area from these crazy times where they're going to have a much better ability to run a meeting remotely by Zoom because they've already been doing it. Talk about the resilience that you get when you have an operating system versus those that are, you know, upset right now and just lost. Oh, well, so many stories. Uh, it, it, it affects both struggling companies and succeeding companies because um, it's, it's when uncertainty hits you, you're overwhelmed with lots of things you need to know and learn. And, and how do you discern what's important and what's not? And, and where do you focus your energy? So EOS is built around one concept, and that is focus. And we, we run the exercise to get a sense of where we're going, what, what are the next steps to get there, and, and, it, and why are we doing this, and what is our purpose? And it allows us to tune everything else out. So it, it one of the things we really have to get clear on is what do we want? So if we're going to try to grow or grab market share or, 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 or shore up our reputation, that comes from those conversations because uh, the odds are high if you don't run on a system like this that you've got people uh, trying to do all of those at the same time. And that means you're all rowing in different directions. So it doesn't matter your state. The idea is to get on the same page so you're not working against each other. Because I can promise you, if you haven't had the conversations to get clear on what your priorities are for the long term, the medium term, and the short term, if you've been upset by some form of chaos, you are working against yourself. I'll tell you what my favorite part of watching an L10 meeting is a weekly meeting, and I got to watch one. And I love the initial check-in. It's what's the good news for the day? What's happening good in the last week since we talked to you? I love starting a meeting like that. What a nice way. And times like this, we're all cooped up. We need victories. And then we get everybody a chance to celebrate their victories. That's what a great way to start a meeting. Well, we've been doing that for years. I've done that in various capacities. And, and, and when I got exposed to EOS, I found it was a, it was a foundational part of that. With some experience, I realized there's depth to that. And I want people to, and I did some videos on this, on this topic, that good news does not mean lie to yourself. Uh, this is a tough time for a lot of people. So I really encourage people, and I have seen teams to come together and rally with the, with the bittersweet honesty of, it has been very tough. I have had a very difficult time with my family or with my situation, whatever it is, we've had some major losses, but I'm grateful for X. I'm grateful to be here with you today. I'm grateful that this is the team I'm with. I'm grateful that we had one good piece of good news yesterday. And, uh, and that kind of thinking, uh, that's what starts to bring out the Stockdale paradox from the good to great. You know, the idea of we, we must be in touch with reality and you should not deny things that, that are real that you need to adapt to. And you should also get your mind focused on getting the nose up. There is a way to do something good with what we've got at all times and no one is off the hook for that. Mark, and there's a lot of your customers that are suffering right now greatly. And 
um, they probably are asking for some kind of deferral or delay, or you know, maybe we got to put this off for a while. I'm sure your business is suffering in times like these, but um, I would imagine that um, there's some flexibility you've had to create to move your business forward and pivot your business forward. There are many people in in the world who do what I do with EOS. There's about 350 of us, and we all share the similar ethos of uh, help first. And so it was not any kind of um, confusion about how to approach this. And it is the people who need this, we help and however we can. And so I've got it, it, in my, one of my more recent podcast episodes, I've got a self-service tool called Vision in Crisis that helps people get some clarity and focus. And I, and I help people kind of get that done. I don't charge for that. And that all that stuff is, is freely available. Uh, clients who can't pay, you know, we figure out how I can help. Um, it, no one wins if, if people are losing. And so uh, it, it's it's really about we got to find a way to help first. This is my calling. I have a passion that everyone should feel in control of their life. And so what I do is I help entrepreneurial leaders get more control of their business. And that's the animal I am. And so uh, any opportunity I can, I can help somebody with that is a privilege. And I've got enough paying clients who are, who are taking advantage or who are, or are taking advantage of the situation and paying me, you know, it's, I just am going to work and all the people in the community like us are just, you know, who needs help? How can we help? And you, and we get full and we run out of bandwidth and, but that's just, that's the formula. We just help until we're out of bandwidth. So you have a lovely San Antonio speech pathologist you married that's from a wonderful family I know very well. And um, did you, do you ever find yourself slipping into EOS behaviors when you're at the dinner table? No. <laughs> there, there are strategic uh, boundaries for sure. Okay. Smart man. Very nicely done. Uh, and you're a new father too. Do you ever use EOS strategies with your brand new infant? Uh, well, he's, he's working on two years old. He, you know, he's not implemented the tools just yet. Um, I, <laughs> I, they're, they're, I'll tell you what we do with the, with the EOS side of this, getting the sense of long-term vision. There are EOS tools. The vision traction organizer is the, is the, the one page, um, tool to answer eight critical questions about your vision, which take us from the, the distant future, the big dreams to, uh, the sort of the near term, what do we need to start working on now down to the action plan that we're working on this second and a pile of things that are on our mind, but we can't work on now. And we just generically call those issues. And we have a way to do that in, in the, in the personal world as well. And, and when families come together and, and do those, those exercises about what are we trying to create together? Uh, it's very, very powerful uh, when people can do that. Lovely. And you have some older children. So are you using those traction tools with your children? Oh, so my daughter's in college and we absolutely uh, talk a lot about strategy. And, uh, and so it's, it's, an, it's an interesting time because she is uh, musical theater uh, f- focused. So that's that she wants to go to New York and be so she wants to be a waitress. Right, for sure. Oh, well, see, that's where I think the, the funny, the story is, uh, is, is good. Uh, that an arts, an arts career like that is, um, the, the economies of that are tricky. You know, it's not a lot of open positions and there's a lot of people trying for it. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have to make money somehow. So when she found a job selling uh, Cutco knives uh, and she can do it and enjoys it, it's like, 
you're, you're set, you're good. You know how to sell. <laughs> so, so you can pursue your arts career because you know how to make money and you know, and it, it, that doesn't bother you because of all the things I, I heard a long, long time ago that uh, you know, parents rarely encourage their children and, and talk about the pride they're going to have when their children become successful salespeople. That's, that's not how it, it works. And we, we, you and I've talked about where trust sits, you know, healthcare at the top and used car salespeople at the bottom. And if you remove used car sales moves up a little bit, but it doesn't go all the way up to doctor. But I'll tell you in life, and, I, and I'm curious your feedback, salespeople glue our entrepreneurial economy together. And, it, and if you can sell, if you can get a buyer connected with a product they need, that is high value stuff. And we, we do need people who can do that. And, and, and now is no, no different. I gotta tell you, my, my wife is uh, VP of HR for a Fortune 100. She's not working right now, but that's recent, but she's good to go. My right hand in my company, director of HR, she's a complete, you know, HR up to, up to date on HR. She, these women hate salespeople, not, not like lightly, they hate salespeople. And I'm trying to figure out what is it about my the most two most important women in my life that hate salespeople because I'm a sales guy. I mean, I, that's, <laughs> that's my path. You know, I came yeah. up through business development and marketing and strategy and we, I like growing companies fast and they don't hate me. So what is it that is about that? And it's, they think that salespeople are overpaid. That's the bottom line. Like I get this, but they get that and they get to drink and steaks and you know, they party hard. It's like, yeah, there's gunslingers. You're not a gunslinger. I would imagine the saloon keeper didn't like the gunslingers either. But without the gunslingers, the half the town isn't safe. Well, so I here I figured that out. And I what I figured out is that in in the universe we've got a, a polarity of chaos and and disorder at one end, and at the other end, we've got order and structure and predictability. And people pay whatever they've got to take chaos and turn it into structure, which has never been more appropriate than right now. People pay to turn chaos into order and salespeople take money that you haven't earned yet and turn it into money you have. And that, and anything that does that, and anything that can take large amounts of chaos, inventors, entrepreneurs, sales, uh, people who can take unstructured, unorderly chaos and turn it into something predictable, usable, useful, that's where the money is. And so if you start thinking about those jobs that are just sort of like all along the factory worker line, where they basically just move something from one box to another, they don't get paid very much. It's it, They take order and you move it to other order. That's not marketable and not valuable like it is to take something unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the, my wife and my right hand are both rule makers and rule keepers and the rest of us are rule breakers and stretching the boundaries. I mean, it's just, you're exactly right. Um, what is it? You had a very interesting guest, Cameron Harold, who's the ultimate COO in America. Yeah. You had him on your show. What is the name of your show and what do you talk about with folks like Cameron Harold on that show? Yeah, so it's called You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary, and that's me, of course. And uh, the, the premise of the, of the show was uh, everybody's in, entre in entrepreneurial leadership is trying to make a success of their business in life. And we all get so often frustrated by something that we think we're supposed to, we think we're doing it right. We're selling, we're, 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 we're marketing, we're hiring, and there's something that's got us stuck. We're, we're at a ceiling of some kind, we're repeating uh, our, our past 
behaviors and not getting better results. And so I wanted to create a format where we could talk in depth about the things that you think you know about and listen for the nuggets that break loose your thinking that, uh, that allow you to say, aha, that's where I'm wrong. That's where I was off. That's, I got to shift down here in the details and because and, I'm a detail mind and I want to make that avail, available to listeners to, 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 find the wisdom in our conversations. So a guy like Cameron is a, is, is kind of like uh, me in the sense that he works with a lot of business owners and leadership teams that are trying to grow. He's d d been doing it longer than me. In fact, he, he is, uh, his first uh, presentation in Houston was two weeks after he had just gotten fired by 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, and I didn't know that he had just been fired two weeks before that. And I don't think I knew that he was even fired. I think he was just sort of running it like, you know, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> and um, he, t he talked about this thing called the painted picture, which was the vision of his company three years in advance uh, and how it transformed his thinking. And that was long before I had been exposed to EOS or any of the other tools I've been using. So he really started me on the journey of what it was to own the destiny of my business. And so 13 years later, uh, you know, I was saying, Hey man, you started it all for me. You know, this is, you, you painted the picture literally with your painted picture document, which he now calls the vivid vision. And we talked for an, uh, an hour and a half on what he's seeing with successful companies, what their attitude is, how they're dealing with, uh, the, the, the urgency and the brutality and, and sort of the landscape of some companies with the bullet to the head are kind of lights out and those people who are still alive, uh, how they're, they're winning and thriving. What words of encouragement are you gathering from your show to keep people moving forward that are losing hope? Like the, we have a lot of physicians on our show and they're literally at the edge of their last nerve and they're at the edge of their last dollar. What is your words of encouragement you're learning from your guests on your show? So, um, uh, I, there's a there's a lot of pattern that has given me this perspective, and Cameron has given me that perspective. Jeff Hoffman, who is a, a founder of Priceline, uh, gave me a lot of this perspective. Uh, the, the leadership teams I've been working with over the last six weeks is that um, everybody's got something working against them, and we are all uncomfortable, that, and, and uncomfortable in ways that we um, just at a magnitude we, we never predicted and it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And when we take a few steps into the future and try to like fight it, like it goes badly. Like, like the first couple steps, like don't work. Like I'm going to be optimistic. And then, then you walk out the door and, and, you, and it's like, that sucked. Like that did not work at all. But what, what we find below this is that I talked about that chaos to order thing. Entrepreneurship is fundamentally taking chaos and turning it into order. So the entrepreneurial people, the people who started businesses, the people who have the ideas, the people who are visionary in some capacity are 100% purpose built for this task. It's not equally distributed. Some people are suffering more than others, but this is our time to lead. This is our time to solve for the problems, take the broken pieces, parts that are in front of us and cobble something together that works better than we had. It's super uncomfortable because we didn't get to choose the time. We didn't get to choose the severity. We didn't decide today I'm going to open up a business because I feel good. Like it, this may have been our worst day, but as a community, and that's probably the biggest part, as a community, we are all able to lean on each other and work together. And as a community, rise to this occasion and rise to this challenge challenge like no one else on the planet. This is what we are for. This is what we do. No one else can do it better. And we will make a better world as a result. That is 
absolutely my biggest takeaway from all my leadership teams, Cameron Harold and Jeff and everybody. Very encouraging, Mark Leary. Um, what is the best way for folks to find you and reach you if they want your coaching and your EOS system? Uh, I'm easy to find, uh, www.leary.cc. All my, uh, the podcast is out there, leary.cc slash podcast, available anywhere podcasts are available. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to get anything you can get from the free resources. And if you need help, reach out to me. Uh, and if, uh, if you need somebody in your area who, who does what I do, I can get you connected with them too. I, I'm, I'm really passionate about helping in any way that I can. All right. As a, I'm a fan of your show and as a stumper question, you always end with what's the most important message. I'm going to ask you the same message. We ask every one of our guests in 72 shows, what banner would you fly over America right now? What banner would I fly over America right now? Uh, what's the message? Um, well, who's the message to America or the other countries? America. This is our time. This is absolutely our time. I absolutely think that this is like, it's the, I believe the United States DNA, we talk about freedom. I don't, I think that that word is dated and we're not going to change that word because it's certainly part of our brand, but I do believe American culture is entrepreneurship. It is, it is dirty cowboy or uh, imperfect uh, resilience to make a better world. And absolutely, this is our time. Mark, we'll get you back on the show again. I want to learn more of these cool tools like the scorecard. Um, we'll get, we'll uh, look forward to that next visit. And uh, again, thank you for your time. It's been great fun. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Take care. So welcome to Just a Hospital Minute. We are adding these segments for one minute at the end of every show to tell you some of the games that hospitals play. How do people game the system inside of hospitals? Well, there were giant lawsuits with United Health and a major hospital system. They found out that they were not aligned. They had an understanding that ER doctors were going to admit aggressively into the hospital. And that's not what United's understanding was. They lost the lawsuit. So this is just another hospital minute. Thanks again to our sponsor, the MediSearch Institute. I want to read you a note a CEO friend of mine sent me who used them for a rare childhood disease her daughter had. Dr. Talbot's research was thorough. He provided clear paths of treatment and he gave me access to the best physicians. I'm so grateful for his work. That's the MediSearch Institute. Thank you for listening. You wanna shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing, and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.